Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on industrial automation. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mouser.com slash empowering innovation. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, we will dive into the storm around Activision CEO Bobby Kotick with Jessica Condit at Engadget. So there's been a lot of stuff around Activision that we've been talking about um, throughout the year, but things have come to a head thanks to a Wall Street Journal report. We'll be diving all into that. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher's choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. And uh, drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. We typically live stream the show uh, Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. So stop by, join us for the chat. It's always a fun time. So once again, Activision Blizzard is in the news. And specifically, this is because the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, CEO Bobby Kotick knew pretty much everything that was happening. Uh, he knew about the sexual misconduct allegations. He ignored them. He did not tell the board. Um, this kind of relates to something we were talking about earlier uh, this year, where the state of California basically went after Activision Blizzard for housing, a very like bad work environment where, right. yeah, yeah, the, lots of bad things were happening, like uh, sexual misconduct, uh, a work environment that was not really well suited to women especially mm-hmm. um so i i really wanted to dive into all this and joining us to kind of elucidate everything is jess condit our senior editor who focuses on games and the gaming industry hello jess how's it go hey guys happy to be hello. here sad to talk about activision doing this stuff again. Yeah. oh my god <laughs> we gotta i mean we gotta we really have to dive into what's going wrong with this company at this point but can you tell us uh who is bobby Kotick? And what is happening? Like, why is he in the news again, specifically? Bobby Kotick, the star of Moneyball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he was in that movie. That, yeah. that does not matter. Yeah. Um, so Bobby Kotick has been CEO of Activision for 30 years, literally, um, 1991. Uh, so he's, he's, if there are any issues, if there are any strategies the company has employed... It's because of Kotick. Um, so I think he gets to he gets to take the heat for all the, the mess that's happening as well. He's been the person at the top in charge of this company for 30 years. The system starts with him. And yeah, so the recent reports uh, on top of the state of California suing Activision for uh, gender discrimination, employment discrimination uh, for years. Um, now, this report from Wall Street Journal is basically laying out how much he knew um, in a few instances. So Bobby Kotick truly, in at least one instance, protected someone who was found to be sexually harassing women at Activision. And Bobby Kotick, instead of letting him be fired, Bobby Kotick actually protected him and kept him at the company. Um, That's just one instance we know of. Uh, We also know Jen O'Neill, who recently stepped down as the co-head of Blizzard, 
Uh, she was the first female leader in Activision Blizzard's history since 1979. The first female leader. That tells you something right there. Um, she just stepped down. And we found out that she had some concerns about the company addressing all of these these issues of literally groping women in in the office sometimes. Like this is this is mm-hmm. some serious stuff. And she she um, said she had been sexually mm-hmm. harassed too. Like it's yeah. there's that and also the lack of equal pay with her like her co lead, Mike Ibarra. So Absolutely. it's a lot of a yeah. lot of awful things. Right. So it's like it's discrimination on every level. This this company was not built um to support anyone other than white dudes is, is how it seems, you know, and that's, and that starts from the top that starts with Kotick, these calls. So there was actually a group of employees that walked out and called for Bobby Kotick's resignation. Um, so that's, that's big, but the biggest thing for me, like with all this stuff happening this week is that there are outside like third parties calling for Kotick's resignation as well. The shareholders, there's always this, this small group of shareholders that that really don't like Kotick. They've been f- calling for yep. him to be removed for a long time. So of course, they're like, yeah, definitely. But there's also, I mean, Polygon, an enthusiast press, they had an editorial, a very powerful editorial, I thought, that was just, Bobby Kotick must resign. I've never seen that, personally. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's something uh, you see like the New York Times do for presidents, right? You see, you see it right. for major political leaders. And I think in the industry, Kotick is kind of on that level. Like he is head of one of the biggest uh, game companies in the world. It, it's kind of wild. The the other thing around this too, like after that report came out, um, I think there were employees like were publicly like speaking up against him as well. The board of directors said that they still remain confident in his leadership. So there's just like. There's a lot of mess going on here. And that board, by the way, like when you hear board of directors, you probably think of like this. It's a group of people who are just, you know, trying to keep a business going right They're They're the real bosses in charge and the CEO must answer to them. But hey, I'm looking I'm looking at a breakdown from Luke Plunkett uh, at Kotaku. And you know, the board includes a former Disney board member who was investigated by the SEC for nepotism. A private equity goon who drove a New York biscuit factory to strike and then called in scabs. An Olympics bid guy described by Deadspin in 2017 as a true rich asshole. And uh, Bobby Kotick's on that board as well. Uh, Kotick, by the way, and one other person uh, on the board are also in uh, Jeffrey Epstein's Black Book. So, you know, just a lot of good stuff. What a crew. Happening. What a crew. What a crew, like, leading this whole thing. <laughs> Um, it's kind of no wonder, yeah, that environment exists at Activision Blizzard. Go ahead, Jess. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, and like the board supporting him speaks to how he's been able to stay in power this long, like stay in power as if he's a dictator. But like he is very comfortable in this role and he has been for 30 years. He has the support of the people that matter, the people that will keep him in his job. But like now we have Sony Interactive CEO Jim Ryan. He sent this email to employees saying it's not okay what Activision is doing. How they're handling this is is absolutely abhorrent. And Sony is a huge partner of Activision. This is, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, so seeing calls like that from companies and from from larger organizations on top of employees calling for this. That's different than it has been in the past. Um, I still, with the board behind Kotick, with with the system in place as it is, I do think it's a, an uphill battle for uh, to see him removed. Um, and I, I personally, I think it's time. <laughs> I think a lot of people uh, agree that it's time, but uh, I don't. I honestly don't have much hope that that's going to happen. I think he's going to be there for a while longer. It's it's kind of wild. Like I just want to bring up some other accusations that uh, Shannon Lau from the Washington Post wrote up on Twitter too. Like she points out, Kodak was accused in 2006 of threatening his female assistant that he would have her killed. Okay, uh, jeez, Activision. I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things of like a shitty boss basically saying like, yeah, I'm gonna destroy you. I'm gonna have you killed. And um, Activision in a statement said that Kotick apologized 16 years ago for the obviously hyperbolic and inappropriate voicemail. Uh, yeah. Voicemail. Yeah. So it's so that's recorded. An, that's so we can, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Of course. It's, it's obviously it. hyperbole. 
Oh, he's so dramatic, like this Oh, he's, he's so, so emotional. Dramatic. See, that's he exactly... Was, no, no, no. That's, that's how it goes. <laughs> he was sued in 2007 by a flight attendant on a private jet he partly owned who said the pilot sexually harassed her. Kodak fired her and told her and her lawyers that uh, I'm going to destroy you. So, yeah, th- this is kind of who we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the kind of the state of the gaming world, too. And, like, I don't know. The idea of like how sexism is kind of almost ingrained in certain in in gaming to a certain extent and kind of how it's led to online responses to anything, a game featuring a woman as a main character or something or, you know, women just saying, hey, I'd like to play video games. Um, I guess to me, it seems like, hey, if these are the people in charge, it's kind of no wonder this is the culture that's kind of spun out from it. Uh, I don't know if you have deeper thoughts on that, Jess. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's exactly... God, I, I even hate to say it still. Gamergate was was mm-hmm. a just a coalescence of all of these ideas. And like this was a this Gamergate was women in the business trying to say, yo, this is happening. Yep. Yeah. Um it was in response to being attacked and being harassed and this this heightened level of of harassment online. But in the end, it was yo. There's sexism in the industry. There's discrimination in the industry. There's also a racial component here that we have to talk about. Um, but especially, like, I mean, seeing all the reports coming out of Activision is not a surprise, right? This is this is what we've been saying. This is happening. We, I mean, women in the industry have experienced this firsthand. Um, this isn't a lie. This is how the how the system works, and this is why there are mostly white dudes working at these companies because a lot of other people don't feel comfortable in these environments, and they are pushed out in ways like this over and over again. I have I have two things. Um, one is sort of an observation from like having experienced similar. Um, desire of to call out bad actors in my own industry um and seeing the inaction of some people like the the fact that like you were saying the board of directors is enabling some some people continue to work with blizzard just because they're so powerful i guess um and some people i guess feel at a loss some people feel they can't speak out some people don't want to, to you know ruffle feathers because they're afraid of retribution or that sort of thing um like for me, I know that like when I when I know for a fact that like a publication in our space is not good, I will not work with them any longer. And I make that very clear. I just be like, oh, sorry, I'm not talking to anyone from your site because <laughs> y'all are a racist screw up piece of crap. So but like there are people I've spoken to that don't want to cut ties because yep. for some reason, you know, they just they feel it's mean i don't know this happens Um, in every industry by the way like yeah yeah either because it's still more worth it to you to keep working with known abusers or jerks uh, or you're scared to rock the boat or or like you're you're afraid of repercussions the other thing i wanted to ask you jess is do you feel like with all these developments lately with all the attention on blizzard that there will be change that something good might come out of it yeah um i do i i like seeing companies like sony and PlayStation, you know, stand up and say yeah. this is not okay. They're not the only studio to do so in the in the wake of these allegations at Activision. Um, the conversation absolutely has to continue to happen, mm-hmm. and this is this is mm-hmm. pushing that conversation into the spotlight. Mainstream news is covering this stuff. That's that's good for the industry. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. Um, I I have hope. I mean. There is progress happening, right? It's getting mm. better and better. I I truly see mm. that happening. Uh, we're not there yet, but it's getting better. And I think this can definitely be a catalyst for more progress. Um, mm-hmm. It's not going to be the thing that fixes everything, of course. Right. Um, and I still I still think Kodak is going to keep his job. I do. Oh man, I I wanted to point out something quick, like just the sheer like gaslighting over the past week. Like there there was just a lot of things happening. One thing we didn't mention from the Wall Street Journal report is that um, Bobby Kotick allegedly wrote that letter that I believe we talked about from Francis Townsend, who was then uh, Activision Blizzard CCO, uh, who it just sounded like a tone deaf response torture to apologist. those initial yeah act and torture apologist. Um, like the letter she said, uh, 
in that letter, she said the initial allegations by the state of California uh, painted a distorted and untrue picture of our company. Um, turns out, according to the Wall Street Journal, that he wrote that letter and kind of just attached her name to it. So also another, listen, she's not a great person, but attaching, you know, one of the few women uh, in your leadership, attaching her name to this. And then, and then later, Kodak um, apologized yeah. for the tone-deaf response from the letter, his own letter. <laughs> Threw her under Threw the bus her. for something yeah. he wrote. I just, mm, I right, mm, it's all... The- this is how the company runs. Like we're seeing it play out. This is Activision yeah. and this is Kodak yeah. in leadership at Activision. This is how it works and it's mm-hmm. not okay. So and hey, when, at least uh, we're seeing this, it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I just like to implore if any of you out there listening, watching works for Activision, knows someone who works for Activision and wants to share any more information. We're here for you. You want a listening ear? We're here for you. Just like come talk, talk to your friends. It's, to this your is friends. not normal. Don't think that this is like hostile work environment is like a, a normal thing. You shouldn't feel like like you're in a hostile work environment. It is. And this is something like I think we've talked about before and we should probably dive deeper into it. But I, I want to say like in that letter, in a, in his response in July, and this happened way back in July, Kodak uh, apologized for his own tone deaf uh, letter, even though yep. somebody else's name was attached to it. He said yep. they're, they're, they're going to do something about it, right? They're going to offer employee support, listening sessions. Personnel changes, yeah. huh. hiring practices, in-game changes, like all these things. Like it, it is funny how people like him and like the people who enable him are like, oh, yeah, we are doing these things to make our environment better. Right. Look at all these things we're doing, um, even if they're like blatantly lying to you about like the root causes mm-hmm. of a lot of it. So, well, even this like zero tolerance policy that Activision has instituted. First of all, what was it before? And second, like. This doesn't apply to Kodak, obviously. The company has already written off any claims of harassment against him and said, oh, it was too long ago. You can't prove it. And it's like, okay, so that's not you, – you say this policy exists, but it clearly doesn't. And that's honestly exactly what I expected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jess, like you've been following the story for a while too. Like has anything before this Kodak story dropped, like what else was happening over at Activision Blizzard, right? Like they changed – I remember they changed – the name of a character in Overwatch because one of the people uh, mentioned among all the documents uh, was it McCree? Uh, mm-hmm. McCree in Overwatch, his name was changed because that name comes from somebody who had allegations against him as well. Anything else you want to note here? Yeah, there there have been a few uh, heads that have rolled at Activision Blizzard. Um, but again, no one who's protected by the board, of course. Um, no, this is... This can be a reckoning moment for the industry. Um, Activision is truly, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than Activision, right? Activision Blizzard. This is this is the billion dollar company. This is what they do. They drive a lot of a lot of the market. Call of Duty alone, <laughs> let alone Overwatch, Diablo, World of Warcraft. I mean, it just the list goes on. Um, big names, they are not gonna stop making money. Um, but I do think next year will be a good test for how loyal people, uh, feel because Call of Duty this year got a pretty tepid response, uh, overall, I would say. Um, and that series I think has been in need of innovation for a while. I think a lot of people or attention, just like actual attention, um, in a, in a different way. So, I mean, maybe next year Call of Duty sales will drop. That would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? Or maybe by next year, this time, we'll totally have forgotten about this and, you know, which, I'll be playing Overwatch 2. No, because it's never coming out. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, believe, I, I, uh, em- I wonder. Employees mm-hmm. at Activision Blizzard have also said, like, I, I think a very vocal group are like, hey, we we are not responsible, you know, for the issues at this company. So if you, if you start... Um, boycotting our games basically at the, at the same time you could also be hurting people who are genuinely trying to make good games this is a weird balance that we're in right now i don't know like yeah i, I guess everyone's gonna make their own personal choices i don't i don't know if like consumer sentiment is really gonna shift things for a company this big you know it's like it's like mosquitoes trying to attack an elephant 
I sure maybe it'll feel it once in a while, but it's going to keep moving. Um, it seems like the government response is really that, like the thing, and the the response from the other elephants. You know, um, all the other big game companies kind of have to come together to push push them forward and push this industry forward. So we will be paying attention to all of this. But I just wanted to say thank you so much, Jess, for coming here and breaking it down with us. Where can we find you on the internet these days? Oh, Instagram is a good spot. Jess L. Condit. <laughs> good pictures. And, uh, good pics. Yeah. Twitter. Good. Jess Condit. Yeah. Thank you. Dog pics. You know, Dog pics. Food. Food pics. I love those. Love it. That's thank it. you so much, Jess. <laughs> Let's move on to some other news and some big news around repair today, specifically repair, you know, do-it-yourself repair. Apple announced a self-service program that'll let you repair iMacs and iPhones, which I think has been a long time coming. Um, This basically, it, it almost seems like it came out of nowhere, but it was clearly a response to a lot of pushes from the government and some states were starting to require, um, you know, self-repair uh, for, mm-hmm. for, for many companies. So it seems like Apple went ahead of any rules that would be pushed by the FTC and, uh, you know, and other agencies. But it's cool. Basic concept is that you'll be able to, next year, you'll be able to par- order parts for your, you know, for your devices and do these repairs yourself. And they're going to be starting out with simple things like, I believe, just like the battery and the battery, screen. Battery, camera, mm-hmm. and display, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. not and like... And then other like, parts will be coming later. Not like super deep stuff immediately, but... Hey, this would be this would be kind of interesting. Like Sherlyn, would you feel comfortable jumping into your phone and pulling out the battery and doing all the fun stuff? I mean, the way they're currently built, I'm not sure. I'm like, we're, for me, it'll be like better if there were obvious screws. I'm just like, all right, I'll just unscrew this, but obviously not. So, um, but they do say right that like a- Apple does say it will require you to review a repair manual before you order the relevant parts. Um, and then they didn't, they haven't said how much they will cost yet, but you can return some of these parts for recycling, which is pretty nice. And I, I do appreciate the effort there on sustainability. My, 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 the more interesting thing to me in terms of what happened here this week is like Apple's approach and app, like what, what kind of was the final, you know, Something that broke the camel's back. Straw? The straw that <laughs> the broke straw. the camel's back? I mean, Whatever it was that caused them to finally give yeah. in. To there, there's a lot pressure. of right to repair talk happening all yes. around. And Apple, too, is being it's like... not just in phones, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like being... Maybe this is a way for them to do like one of the market leader things. Like, hey, we're not the Apple we were like 10 years ago. Maybe, maybe we can open right. up a little more, let people deal with this stuff. Uh, it goes towards sustainability because it means people could use their devices a little longer. It's good PR because it's kind of what consumers are starting to demand right now, too. So, yeah, there's a lot going on here. I mean, mm-hmm. I miss the days when you could just swap out a battery cell. I mean, I, mean, I remember those cell. days. Sure. I'm one of those babies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they just kept going away. And, they, you know, you can hardly ever find a phone now with a replaceable like a, a battery cell that you can just pop out and replace at any time mm-hmm. not that this is meant to do that right like this isn't the same scenario where you can like when your battery's out of juice and you're out and about without a charger right, you can just right. swap in a new hot battery pack but it's it's like reminiscent of those days for me for sure it's sort of like if you've if you've tried to keep your phone for longer than two years, I feel like two years is the breaking point for a lot of batteries where yep. it starts to mm-hmm. be like bad. You just don't want to yes. live with that. It just doesn't so last you the whole day or you have to keep recharging yeah. or something. So, I, you know, I remember I think it was like the iPhone 4S or something like I was able to get it replaced, the battery replaced mm. um, about two years in. And it felt like a brand mm-hmm. new phone. It felt like, you know, I was able to just keep using that for another year or so. So. It just uh, it breathed a lot of new life into my device, and I really appreciate that at the time. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. like how this kind of how this affects things, how consumers will take advantage of it, uh, maybe how um, actual like small repair stores will deal with it too. Yeah. Because I think it sounds like we'll it's the, a, the yeah. user has to request this. It sounds like like the actual consumer yes. has to request the part. Uh, it's not going to be through like a mom and pop store or something. Yeah. But maybe you could bring it yep. to a repair store if you need some help and then 
you know, let a local trainsman do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, hopefully, <laughs> you know, that won't put them completely out of, you know, business. But the other thing too, I, I want to clarify and make sure if you're listening and you're getting excited about fixing your old iPhone, your aging iPhone eight or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, this thing will be available. This service will be available in the U S early next year. And then for the other countries, you're looking at later 2022. Um, and then at at the start, it will be um, uh, only iPhone 12s and iPhone 13s are eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, and M1 based Macs. M1 Max. Yeah, yeah. M1 Max will be soon after. So fairly new devices mm-hmm. uh, for now at the start. So if you're still on an iPhone 8 and you were <laughs> like, I like it. I don't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, maybe I just need a battery replacement. Uh, eh, yeah. I, I don't know how long you're going to have to wait for apple to offer I, I would you, not, you know, yeah. a, a repair I, kit for that yeah i would know that that's the point where you go to the local like uh shop that has iphone battery you know repair uh yeah stock taped onto yeah. the windows and you ask them to please yeah. please do this without killing your phone so good luck with that everybody <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so this is a good move and hopefully we'll see more mm-hmm. companies kind of uh following this because i think it's really important that we'd be able to fix our stuff um Mm -hmm. it's a big deal speaking of broken things (laughs) you know and things that consumers didn't fully have control of um typically we think of the cloud as this thing where like yeah i I don't have the hardware you know i can't fix if something goes wrong but that that ended up being a bad thing for google right because google cloud had an outage and that ended up breaking several major services like spotify snapchat etsy and more what happened sherlyn so I think this was Tuesday, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, where for me, okay, let's let the personal version of this story. <laughs> me, you know, yeah, what look, were you trying to I, do? <laughs> I was on Spotify trying to like uh-huh. listen to the newest, I don't know, Twice album or something. Oh my god! And and you know, I was streaming it to my speakers, and streaming Spotify to my speakers is kind of an ordeal. Um, doesn't always stay synced. It doesn't always stay linked. Whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. so then. St- stuff stopped playing out of nowhere or it just wouldn't <laughs> skip to the next track or whatever. And I was just like, what the hell is happening again? I almost did the thing where you like whack your speaker yeah. to like get it to work. It turns out, yeah. And then I, <laughs> I did the thing where like you go into your Slack group and you're like, hey, is Spotify down for anyone else? Or you go to the Google. <laughs> you go to you down go detector. Google, like, Spotify, yeah, 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 down detector, exactly. And um, obviously then I found out that like Spotify wasn't the only one. It was mm. Snapchat, Etsy, Discord, and more, including Pokemon Go, Apex Legends. <laughs> so basically, fun stuff, right? Like, it's pretty nefarious. I feel like somewhere out there, there was mm-hmm. a big boss that was like, I don't want people playing during like work hours. I'm going to like shut down. <laughs> I'm going to take down the Google Cloud server that targets all these fun things. Um, and so anyway, we found out later on, we were like, okay, all these services are down. We don't know what the common factor is yet. It turns out they were all Google Cloud mm. you know, um, users, uh, those companies. And it was a networking issue that, that took down uh, a lot of those services. And what struck me as potentially nefarious is that like google's own services weren't down so obviously they've hosted their own things on a separate they're, server they're a that separate they don't cloud. sell out yeah right exactly that they don't like you know share the same space as their customers which is fine it's just like oh i guess spotify is down i guess i have to use youtube music i guess oh, no. this this it's yeah. a shame uh, google says yeah <laughs> i'm not uh i obviously don't think it's actually that nefarious, but there you go. Um, you know, this was just a fun thing that happened this week. I mean, by fun, I mean <laughs> fun it's sad that all the fun things were. <laughs> major issues. I mean, it, it is funny. Like, every time a major cloud uh, outage happens, I do wonder, like, how? How is this happening? Because we're supposed right? to have, like, severe, like, incredible redundancy. Uh, if one yeah. server farm goes down, another one's supposed to take up. Like, there, there's supposed to be so many things to prevent this from happening. Yeah. Um, I would love and to it, see that happening more, I guess. But, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It happened for hours. It lasted yeah. for hours, right? Yeah. It wasn't like fixed within a matter of minutes. It was it was a significant chunk of the day. Um, one thing that some of us in Slack were discussing was that like maybe because Google has so many embargoes <laughs> lifting that day that it broke its own server. It broke its own, because yeah. mm-hmm. Jesus Lord, there was a bunch of of Google's news uh, on Tuesday morning as well. We had a slew of updates from Google Maps. 
apps. You can now see, you know, area busyness <laughs> directly from the app itself. Um, get store directories and whatnot. Uh, Google News release some news about <laughs> Google News release some news. Hey, uh, <laughs> release a new tool about census mapping for for journalists and then some like uh, social media literacy uh, information that it'll surface on news results as well. Um, so all of that stuff is up on Engadget.com. You can check out uh, our site for the details. Uh, and then also around the same time, I got an update on Stadia. <laughs> Actually, the next day, Davindra, uh-huh. <laughs> on our pre-production call, you remember me screaming, Stadia has Jackbox now? Um, but yeah, yeah, that was part of the... Google literally literally to- every gaming platform in the has world Jackbox, has Jackbox. Yeah. Uh, your phone <laughs> has Jackbox. This, yeah, Switch has Jackbox. I mean, good job, Jackbox, good. for making like the most, yeah, right? Oh, my God. Uh, there needs to be for a whole new most. genre of games, just basic games for Sherlin. Like, that's... Yeah. That's don't you love... I love basic. Jackbox. It's fun. I, I mean, yes. It's yeah. fun with friends, especially people who don't uh, play games a lot, you know? It's kind of a good way... I- Mm -hmm. yeah i can't wait to get back together with my friends and play some of these games for sure for sure love jackbox (laughs) and uh don't love cloud outages at least this isn't another aws uh amazon outage which tends to happen a lot the thing we don't hear too much about is like azure which is microsoft's cloud uh which i know a lot of businesses rely on and their cloud business Mm. i I write up their earnings a lot so I, i have noticed their cloud business is growing really quickly and is very strong I do wonder, like, this is something all these companies will have to face, but it seems like Microsoft's cloud is kind of doing a little better than everybody else's, or maybe it's just not as widely used. I don't know what's up there. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe by enterprises that don't touch or, or, you know, that consumers don't interact with so much. For sure. For sure. Let's move on to another piece of news and something I found really cool. I know you care a lot about accessibility news, Sherlyn. So I wrote up this thing about TD Pilot, uh, which is yeah. a new product from Toby Dynavox. And let's, there's a lot to drill down here. So Toby, T-O-B-I-I, is the company yes. that's developed like eye tracking software. Uh, mm-hmm. We've written them up uh, when it comes to like, um, you know, eye tracking in VR headsets. Uh, it's uh, Laptops. Their tech, yeah, lap, yeah. Their, their tech is in gaming laptops too. It's really cool stuff. So Toby Dynavox mm-hmm. is their assistive tech division and they use that same technology to help people you know um people with disabilities who perhaps can't use their um their hands um so they can control devices just with eye movements td pilot is this their first device that brings kind of the full power of their eye tracking to the ipad and i think that's pretty cool so you'll be able to um people will be able to mount ipads to their uh, to their wheelchairs or just prop them up wherever um the eye tracking is strong enough to work in direct daylight so very bright scenes and it gives people full control of their ipad so they could do anything like they can explore all the apps they can talk to other people around them there's also there's like a display on the back of this thing uh this thing basically looks like a giant ipad case um and that display in the back kind of will spell out what somebody is trying to say they're also big speakers so they can speak through this as well uh t you know toby has had devices like this that just run windows mm-hmm. um and like you know windows slates so as powerful and as limited as windows on tablets can be you know that's what people have had to live with i think this is a really cool push into getting you know the, ho- the hottest tech that people actually that a lot of people are actually using into the hands of people with disabilities as well right now this thing is built to fit an ipad pro 12.9 inch um you could do everything you could play some games uh the ceo of toby told me uh everything but like really really fast paced games should be fine so like this is really good eye tracking this is really useful tech and i'm glad to see like this stuff is getting out there um i know you, you so you followed a lot of assistive tech Sherlyn. like does this way does this seem like a good development to you in this overall space I think one of the things that this will depend on is also how like Apple built in is like switch control stuff or mm-hmm. like it's, you know, read out um, mm-hmm. it's screen reader uh, technology too. Yeah. And, and in the past, uh, you rightly pointed out that Windows tablets have just been more dominant in this field of like eye tracking uh, devices. Um, and I think partly because... I mean, I don't know why OEMs choose to make more solutions well, it's, for, for I mean, Microsoft. Because more people have a, Windows. More, like, right. I, I, I asked from, them, like, from so long ago. what's right. up here? Um, so Toby, on on PCs, right, they make their own drivers. They make their own software mm-hmm. to make this work. 
they never found it useful on Macs because it's like Macs are so expensive. It's such a small marketplace. Um, it just never made sense to do that. Uh, whereas iPads are a little cheaper, although the iPad Pro is pretty yeah. expensive. I think it's more yeah. this platform is easy to get into. And Apple specifically built a hook into iOS 15 or iPad OS 15 for screen readers and for eye tracking. And they worked with Toby to do that. So that is a lot better than Toby doing all the work themselves. You know what that they have to do on Windows. Oh, they yeah, they mm -hmm. definitely have to work with Apple. And isn't mm -hmm. Apple's generally been a big supporter of uh, assistive tools like that. But the other thing I'll point out is that like this, like a lot of other things in accessibility and, and, and assistive tech, very expensive, right? The whole kit, according to your article, is $10,000. Yeah, $10,000. I mean, you would basically... Not, you, you would it, technically not see that price. It's sort of like any medication or any treatment in the U.S. where right, the full cost right. of it is kind of hidden to the actual consumer. But and yeah, yeah, you would need insurance. Also, to according, to your, according to your article, mm -hmm. too, like there's about 400 insurance contracts already that Toby has garnered. So yeah. that's good. Um, it's, it's good to hear, right? Obviously, that, that there will be more support and more devices. I also would like to see how this um, does with speech recognition. Because you mm -hmm. mentioned, right, it has speakers. I'm not sure if it offers voice recognition for not that commands I, as well. It's really not not that I've it's seen. It's just for the eye tracking. It's it's yeah. This is mainly around the eye tracking um, and mainly for people who have trouble using like an iPad with uh, fingers and which touch screens. That's really what they're aiming for here. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the key is that it can also help people um, who can't normally speak without the assistance of a device. It kind of helps them yeah. get that out there too. I have seen some complaints, um, you know, about Toby's software. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of people, you know, who have to use these things uh, complain that their software is a little dated. Uh, there is another mm -hmm. device called the Skyle, which kind of uses, mm -hmm. and I think you've been uh, researching this, Sherlyn. Th this other product uses the assistive touch feature. So yes, the sort of like I mouse support. That, yes. Yeah, the mouse support <laughs> in iPad OS to like emulate eye tracking. Um, and I, I included one like, you know, review from a YouTuber, um, who says like that actually worked really well for them too. So mm. there are a lot of ways to approach this. Uh, good to see competition in this market because Toby Dynavox is like the leader, you know, they're the Apple of the whole assistive tech industry at this point. Right. Yeah. And eye tracking. So uh, I want to see competition, but it's really nice to see like them at least pushing something like this out. Yeah. It's a good development. Mm -hmm. And hopefully in future, we'll see more uh, devices that can help people with like cross-section uh, or like double disability type things, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. like you're not just, you know, have physical motor disabilities. You also have like speech impediments mm -hmm. or you all are also blind, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So we'll see. And I think we're getting there. I think we're seeing steps towards that, which is mm -hmm. great. Yep. Very cool. Uh, let's move on to some other stories. Uh, just some quick things to shout out now. This week, Microsoft, uh, surprisingly, just dropped Halo Infinite's free multiplayer mode. It is out in beta. They did this basically as part of the Xbox 20th anniversary event, uh, which was also the Halo 20th anniversary event. Um, and no, like I think there were rumors that this was going to happen, but nobody really expected it to uh, to drop so quickly. So, hey. If, you get, if you've got a PC, if you've got an Xbox, you can jump in and get that going. It is free to play. There are things for you to download. Um, you know, it, like many other multiplayer uh, you know, games right now, uh, you can play it for free. But if you want like cool armor or like uh, other special things like level upgrades and whatnot, you have to pay a little more for it. I've already paid ten dollars just for a cool like white <laughs> and red. Uh, right where it's a red, white, and blue armor, but it almost looks like uh, like a Voltron type coloring. Uh, so my okay. uh, my super soldier looks a little like Voltron. Uh, the full campaign is dropping on December eighth. Uh, expect to hear more mm. details about that soon. Um, like yeah, there, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, I've talked about this before, though. I think the multiplayer is really good. It feels really mm. tight. It is fun to play. Um, it reminds me of like the heyday of Halo 3. So it is just really, it's actually just like, yeah, really, really good. Um, another piece of news, too, that I think is more of a bummer for a lot of people. Um, mm. Out of nowhere, 
Um, Paramount Plus, um, or I guess uh, CBS, uh, Viacom CBS, announced that they're removing Star Trek Discovery from Netflix. And if you, if you didn't realize it was on Netflix, it's because you live in the U.S. <laughs> but outside yes. of the U.S., um, this is where most of the world saw Star Trek Discovery. New episodes were dropping mm-hmm. there. The entire series was available there. Um, all of a sudden, this week, Viacom CBS announced they'd be pulling it from Netflix ahead of the new season launching um very soon new season's launching on november 18th so that's today as we're recording this uh and we don't know when the rest of the world is going to get access to this show because it's not going to be legally available to stream anywhere uh viacom cbs says that they plan to bring paramount plus which is how people in the u.s watch star trek um they want to bring it to other countries but that's not going to happen until next year so this just seems like a weird very weird situation where they kind of just pulled the rug out under uh, out from under fans who were really yep. looking forward to this new thing. This deal, by the way, um, was really lucrative for Viacom because I think the story goes that it was so Netflix paid them so much money that they basically were funding Star Trek Discovery. And that's why that show <laughs> has such a high budget and just looks so crazy, cool and expensive. So, yeah, not great. I'm not sure what's going to happen with like Star Trek for the rest of the world. Um, Sorry, Trekkies. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, Trekkies mm-hmm. outside of the U.S. Th- this whole like international rights thing still remains a mess. It's and a mess. Yeah, it's 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 not only this one show. There's there's a lot of things, right? It also affects things like when we're share playing on <laughs> iOS 15. Mm-hmm. A- even Apple TV's own titles like Ted Lasso or. Um, what was that JGL show? Anyway, <laughs> I was testing it out during my time off with Matt Smith, who wrote up uh, our review of iOS 15. Um, we still had geographical issues oh, in the really? way. Like it was, yeah, it huh. would say this, like Matt would try to play Ted Lasso over Apple TV on SharePlay uh, for, for all, both of us. And just because we're in different countries, even though both countries have access to the same show, we couldn't, we couldn't do it. It just goes, oh, this is not available outside your region or something. Huh. And I was like, that seems silly. Something worth talking to Apple about, but they won't. They still haven't got like a straight answer for me. All these international mm-hmm. streaming rights issues definitely something that we yeah. need to like get people to figure out. I can't figure be, it out, but yeah. we'll get people to figure it out. It could just be because Apple TV Plus is such a new thing for Apple that they, could they also yeah be. they have not figured out this stuff. But yeah, we've talked about this before. Netflix is kind of the world's first like global yeah. TV network, right? If you have your Netflix yeah. account, you go to another country, you can still view all the Netflix uh, content. And you'll also get some new stuff, like some new movies and shows that are in that territory that aren't at your home. But the ability to be able to like, when we go to Taiwan for Computex, I could still keep watching my Netflix shows. There is no like interruption service. Um, It's all just accessible. That's never really been done before. So if Netflix were ever to do like a share watching service through their app or something, like it should be more seamless, hopefully. Like at least all their stuff hits all territories at the same time. But anyway, yeah, yeah. This I can't is, wait. I mean, don't don't give them ideas, but in this case, give them that idea. Like, I want yeah. Netflix to do a watch together or share play. <laughs> well, there is sort of that. Anyway, share play should be the thing that they run through. But yes. I wish there was an open thing for that too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lots of little bits of news today. Uh, one thing we also mm-hmm. want to mention is Streamlabs. Uh, if you are a streamer, you have a streamer in your life. You've probably heard of Streamlabs OBS. But if you're a casual, you know, if you're casually in this market, you've also probably heard of OBS, which is this like open source, yep. open broadcasting um, software. That's what OBS stands for. Those two projects have nothing to do with each other. So there's been a lot of complaints against Streamlabs recently. Um, they are a company that, you know, has some very famous um, customers like Pokimane and Hasanabi. Um, Streamlabs offers software that's very similar to OBS, so it helps streamers, you know, control their video feeds, add overlays, things like that. Um, but what, before Streamlabs, you know, launched their product, they had asked the folks at OBS, according to OBS's Twitter account, uh, if, if they could actually use the name OBS, uh, in their mm-hmm. product name. And OBS was like, nah, like, no, don't do that. And <laughs> Streamlabs didn't Jeez. anyway. They kept going with it. They did not communicate with the OBS folks. Um, Streamlabs is essentially a fork of OBS. Um, but by right. calling it Streamlabs OBS, I think it's really confusing. Uh, I know like when I started looking at the software, I was like, why? What, what, one OBS looks really nice and shiny and well-designed, and that's the Streamlabs one, really. And one just seems like it's really archaic. But that archaic one, is the, it's the OG 
you know, it's the original, the one that actually deserves the name. Uh, Streamlabs has also been like accused of other, like basically plagiarizing in other respects. Um, let me see here. They, uh, the company Lightstream, which also offers streaming software, uh, tweeted <laughs> that Streamlabs' uh, w- website basically lifted overall design and copy language uh, straight from Lightstream. So Damn. Streamlabs is just like out there copying iffy. things. It's really iffy, which is a shame yeah. because I know a lot of people like their software. Like they say it's well designed. They say it has cool features. It is weird that you would have to go through the route of um, just copying from competitors. Uh, just mm-hmm. not great. Um, they gave they gave kind of an empty statement saying they, <laughs> first of all, they say um, they are announcing that they're removing OBS from the software's name. But they also say Streamlabs OBS is built on top of the OBS open source platform. Streamlabs is also open source and our code is publicly available. Yet they say, and they say, we take responsibility for our actions and we'll support the community. Um, that that reads a lot of like BS to me. Like just oh, being I open can't. source, yeah, does not mean you could just straight up lift names um, or go against the wishes of uh, founders of another project. So, you know, I guess we'll see where this goes. But Streamlabs is very popular. And I think it'll be really interesting to see like what the outcome of this is. So that's, uh, you know, that's that's annoying news. <laughs> You know, for a company acting like garbage, but uh, we can also talk about our politicians also acting a little like garbage, too. So if you've seen the news this week, you've probably heard the stories around Representative Paul Gosser, a Republican from Arizona, who retweeted uh, an anime video, an Attack on Titan opening with like AOC in there, basically showing him killing AOC, showing hordes of immigrants uh, coming to our borders, just like the the most like uh, some truly vile stuff. He ended up being censured over earlier this week after AOC and a lot of Democrats just called foul on this. There was a, you know, there was a vote on basically him uh, keeping his powers, basically. Um, mm. And after he was censured, uh, immediately after almost, he retweeted that video, even though he said he's going to delete it. So... Just not great. Not so great. not not learning anything. Not really, you know, mm-hmm. agreeing with the censuring. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think uh, I think it was Gizmodo who probably had the best headline for this. Is like uh, anime, you know, has directly affected U.S. Congress or U.S. law at this point, or yeah, has gotten a lawmaker huh. in trouble uh, because it, it is really anime. And hey, we could talk about Attack on Titan and like the the core philosophy of what that show means. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Attack on Titan. Uh, not <laughs> a fan. So hey, just pointing this out. This is weird. We are in a time where uh, old. <laughs> Old politicians will end up retweeting an anime meme uh, and get in trouble for it. So, yeah, let's clean our palettes. Uh, There was also a story going around this week about L.A.'s iconic Staples Center, which I never understood why it was called the Staples Center, um, is going to become the Crypto.com Arena. That's the new name. Crypto.com. I can't. I just can't. Is that this is that worse? Is that worse than the Staples Center? I think. I think. Look at the point. <laughs> at, at by the time that I got to know the Staples Center, and sure. like, I yes, they're both branding, right? They're both like big merchant names, whatever. But like, Staples is at least sort of. No, uh, they a, sell a they thing. sell staplers. <laughs> no, okay, okay, but what I'm saying is staples yeah. is like one a one word name, right? A one word noun almost, sure. even if it's a plural noun. The thing is, crypto.com has dot com in it. We got dot com. How are you gonna know? That's the brand. The brand point. is crypto.com. I can't. I know. I get it. But yeah. like, it, it would be one thing if it were crypto arena. But then, like, yeah. I know that crypto is also like a genre, a catch all. Like, it's not even. They a do, brand, yeah, they don't have the crypto brand. trademark. They have crypto. <laughs> com as a trademark it is uh it is certainly arena yeah, i don't know it is certainly some like idiocracy type uh type mess happening here uh, um uh, yeah i don't know I, I have nothing else to say about this other than the name is really dumb but so is the staple center because i used to work for a rival it's... office supply company oh, so it's like i mean i also hate staples Yes, yeah. I get it. I, I will also say this. This is also to me like a sign of the times, right? Because like for me, look, 
I have made very publicly known that I am very, very tired of NFTs. And I Please. And crypto, yeah. I know, is not the same as NFTs. Did you mean but you missed the whole... the, uh, the the ape party that was happening in New York, Shalin? Like they had a whole thing. You you weren't invited. I thought Which you got all the cool party? parties. <laughs> Which ape party are we talking about now? Because there's too many parties the I stupid, get invited to. The stupid to, NFT apes. Uh, the one that took over. Oh. It was the hottest club in New York Jesus over Christ. the weekend, Shalin. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> uh, no, no, I did not because screw NFTs. And no. I mean, look we've talked at length ad nauseum here on the show about nfts so i'm good i'm just like crypto.com arena now like we really got to make put that in people's faces there's you can't avoid the bitcoin anyway you can't, you can't it, it's taken over the world i mean listen go read um folks go read there there's been some good coverage uh over the the nft uh what was it nft nyc event that was happening but also the uh the Board Ape Yacht Club held like their first, uh, you know, in-person event, and there's good coverage around that. I think I read something on Inverse, so go check that out. Mm. Um, if you really want to have your brain broken of just like how <laughs> far this entire how uh, four random nobodies created this thing that is now like valued worth billions of dollars, um, yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's it's all bad. It's I all can't. bad. You know what's not uh-huh. bad, Sherlyn? Something I think you would really like. A $10,000 Xbox. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I kind of freaking love it. If it not because it's $10,000, but because it's Gucci. It's a Gucci Xbox. I mean, okay? all, all the Gucci is bad. I, I'm, I'm getting ready to see the House of Gucci movie, by the way. The new oh Ridley Scott one. Which, oh, my gosh. That's the only Gucci I care about. But why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, why ten thousand dollars? Is it just because the bag? Because Gucci. Because the branding. Yeah. yeah. Is have this you, worse? Have you even? Uh huh. Yeah. Have you even looked at uh, any luxury thing lately? Like they, if they're not ten thousand dollars, it's like don't talk to me. It's so dumb. It's this like is, there's twenty five thousand dollar purses. I can't even. I almost swore right there. You know, Sorry, but compared to compared to like a, a specific bored ape, um, this is probably a deal. <laughs> It's just ten thousand yeah, dollars for this bag, right? and uh, you can just you could probably actually get one. Gucci is only going to sell one hundred hand number units through its flagship stores, uh, starting November seventeenth. So uh, you know, uh, okay, hurry, hurry yesterday for the holidays. Of, yeah, okay. Seems pretty <laughs> typical for luxury brands to do these like limited edition sure. drops of, mm-hmm. of of their products, but in this case, I can't tell if it's in the image only <laughs> or on the actual. Gucci monogrammed uh, what looks like a suitcase style bag here, uh-huh. but it's got lime green, like Xbox green letters on it that say mm-hmm. Xbox. It says Xbox. It's just, it's yeah. ugly as all hell. I don't even know yeah. if it's actually on the purse or if The it's controllers just also have like a, uh, a red and blue stripe too. That's kind of right. hot. Right. Uh, listen, it's $10,000. You get a custom designed Xbox that also has yeah. the, the Gucci like print, whatever you call that. And uh, you get two yeah. control con- you get two controllers, Shirlin. Wow. Ten thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, maybe maybe this is the Xbox I ought to get, you know? This like is, totally uh, is it an Xbox S or X or like what this is, is it? This is like? definitely a this is a Series X. They're not Oh my god. X, right? yeah. It would be a shame <laughs> if it was just a Series S. Uh but huh. it's funny because I think in a normal world I'd talk about this being like, oh man, this is the end of civilization. This is capitalism running amok. But we just ended up like we moved on from talking about NFTs and Board Ape Yacht Club and that mm-hmm. stuff is just brain breaking in terms of like the amount of money being flown around. So you know what? You know what? Give me give me more Gucci products. Yeah. Give me less NFTs, like giving giving spe- us like really crazy dollar amounts in the world. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of that price and speaking of like crazy things, right? It's not even Declan Flynn in our chat rightly points out on our YouTube live stream that uh they're surprised that regular consoles aren't even going for $10,000 for the holidays because of this global chip sure. shortage. Thing. I mean, listen, so, if you try to get a PlayStation 5 now, you will be paying two to three times the cost. Don't worry if you yeah. really want to. Yeah. So, so you don't you don't have to splash 10,000 on a Gucci branded Xbox. That, you know, you might already be t- spending thousands on a regular Xbox if you can't wait for like supply to be in stock yeah. that sort of thing. I feel like these things it only is, exist they exist for like influencers and celebrities, right? So Kanye buys the thing and whenever you see a photo of like kanye's entertainment center or whatever uh or his theater room you will see the gucci xbox you know it's all it's all about 
It's all about is the swag. people who yeah mm-hmm. is the people who have the Gucci wallpaper and the Gucci TV console and the Gucci so like it blends in you know the monogram just kind of like camouflages and it's like oh it disappears but obviously this is for the people who have too much money and they don't know what to spend it on at this point right like what else am, that's why what luxury else? brands what exist else? yeah I mean that's the only, I mean to me that's the main reason right because billionaires <laughs> need to go to space and people need to spend money on things so there you go TLDR end of the episode. What have you been working on, Sherlyn? Because uh, I've been talking for a while. So I know, and you're you're working on a big review, right? Yeah, I I am reviewing Android 12 at the moment, which is a weirdly complicated task. And as of right now, my review opens with the fact that this is a complicated task mm-hmm. because we're not we're not reviewing Android LS. It is uh, Android 12 as it is on um, uh-huh. a Pixel only, like the Pixel 6 Pro, even though that is very similar to what other phones will get because there are Pixel exclusive features and I've already covered them in depth at, on my Pixel 6 review. We're, we're looking at the Android 12 that will come out to all other Android phones. The problem is that like every phone out there has its own like maker skin right so you've got this week i believe samsung announced one ui 4 is out and one ui 4 is basically android 12 for galaxy s21 galaxy uh, z and and other galaxy devices soon um and you know samsung won't provide you that material you customization in the same way that google does in the sense that it won't automatically generate the pictures uh, the colors from your wallpaper um it'll just offer you a whole host of color palettes so so basically what i'm saying is that android is difficult to review because there's so many different versions <laughs> of it right yeah and i can't give you like the the in-depth kind of review that i might usually want to give someone on something like that so it's more like oh here's all the things that will be hitting all android which are a few things maybe just a handful of things so anyway working on that uh and also like the vendor uh, i'm working on end of year stuff and i you know am rounding up so hey i am looking at some developments in accessibility in tech over the last year uh if you're listening or watching uh and you have you know, and a development you want to flag for me, please send it to either me on Twitter at Sherlyn or, you know, you can always hit up at podcast.engadget.com because I read those too. And then I'm going to enjoy my holidays. Please, please. Uh, How about you, holidays? Yeah, I'm still, listen, I'm juggling a bunch of stuff right now, including previews for things I cannot talk about. Um, I'm still going to be, I plan to write up something about the Amazon Glow, the kid thing, the the kid like uh, projector touchscreen thing. And I'll also be working Mm. on some end of year stories. Um, I'm, yeah, bunch of ideas I'm working around, yeah. <laughs> especially around the uh, maybe the global chip shortage and kind of what mm-hmm. that means uh, for us going mm-hmm. forward, especially as the U.S. is like um, locking off certain deals uh, between mm. I, th- I think I saw the news around like Hynix, SK Hynix and China and U.S. was like. No, no, no! You cannot advance yeah. your factories in China because we are basically in a trade war right now. So, yeah. what will this mean for us in the next couple of years? Um, I think that'll be a fun piece to to really dive into. But before we get there, you know, we've got a lot of pop culture to talk about. So, <laughs> why don't you hit us up first, Sherlyn? Like, tell us what what are your surprise suggestions this week? These are very surprise suggestions that the vendor will likely hate. It's fine. Um, I'm ready. But there, <laughs> I I watched a lot of stuff this week. I've been, I mean, this is not a pick. I've been just catching up on Veronica Mars. Just good. to understand what people my age grew up with in the US, I guess. Veronica Mars uh, is very good. Yeah. It is great. Mm-hmm. I've been hooked. Um, But this weekend, just to kind of like numb my brain a little bit from all that Mars investigation thinking, <laughs> I watched Red Notice. Uh, the new, the new <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, yep. and uh, Ryan Johnson flick. No, I Ryan liked Reynolds. it. Ryan I Reynolds. Know How dare you? I, I Ryan know. Johnson's the good it. one. I said, did I say Ryan Johnson? Said I said Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Reynolds. I hope it's okay. I always huh. have Ryan Johnson on my mind too. But yeah, who's Ryan Johnson? Anyway, the director I'll, I'll, of the Last anyway. Jedi and all the great movies. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, R I A N. Anyhow, yeah. If I said Ryan Johnson, it was probably a portmanteau of like Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne I Johnson. said Dwayne Johnson and yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Uh-huh. Anyhow, um, the show is a fun action flick, is a heist movie basically, and um, it's it's kind of predictable in terms of like what the plot twist is. I I saw it coming since the first third of the movie, but I just like these three actors. 
It's fun. Yeah. It's mind numbing. So if you want to like, it is sort of, you can just. <laughs> I think that's what? why just... they made this movie. It was like, exactly. Oh, I want something mind numbing. I like hanging out yeah. with these guys. Like, yeah. Exactly. I, mm. All three of them are pretty fun. So, so that's <sighs> what I watched it for. And then the other pick uh-huh. for you guys. Also, like even more mind numbing in the and and <laughs> normally I wouldn't have watched something like this, but I was like, you know what? I'll I'll give it a shot because for one specific reason, but I'll tell you what the title is first. Um, I'm talking about Love Hard, this Netflix movie. It stars Jimmy O Young, Nina Dobrev. It's a rom com. Yeah. Jimmy O Young's great. I watched it because I know it's like Asian, like representative of Asian American cultures, mm-hmm. and. In the holiday season, it's it's pretty rare to get what's essentially a Hallmark movie, but like starring <laughs> an Asian character. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, the premise is that Nina Dobrev's character thinks she swiped right and matched with this really cute Asian American guy called uh, Tag, but actually it was Jimmy O Young <laughs> pretending to be this hot guy. So she got catfished. It's kind of like Catfish, the holiday special about uh-huh. Asians. Now look. The reason I am recommending it, it's 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 pretty predictable, expected, almost cringeworthy at parts. But oh my gosh, Harry Shum Jr. is in it, and he's amazing. <laughs> okay. Like Harry Shum Jr., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love him so much. <laughs> he's in this. He's great. I just it's like forty five minutes of looking at Harry Shum. That's it. That's all I got from this movie. Love Heart, uh, you you know, not for everyone on our podcast, I think. But if, you know, you feel like something for the holidays, this could be a good one. And also, Harry Shaw. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Devendra, give us the classy, the classy picks. I mean, I don't, know. I don't know if it's classier, so there's <gasps> that. But I have been checking out Netflix's adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. And I just have to have oh, my yeah. say. Yeah, right. it is. Um, the show's kind of a mess. Uh, I yeah. love Cowboy Bebop. I love the anime. Um, it is something I've seen dozens of times. Like I rewatch Cowboy Bebop, Bebop almost several times a year at this point. I listen mm-hmm. to the music every day. Like it is it is in my DNA. So this show can never be that. You know, it is a mm-hmm. live action adaptation of one of the best anime series ever made, and. I think it makes a lot of mistakes. I think production-wise, um, it looks weirdly cheap. You know, Cowboy Bebop, the core of it, uh, it's about a group of, like, ragtag bounty hunters in a future where, you know, there is faster than... There is, like, fast space travel within our solar system. People aren't, like, leaving the solar system. But the Earth has been destroyed. Uh, humanity is kind of spread throughout and is trying to, like, make planets habitable. Um and it's really just about the adventures these guys go on. You know, the original show was very neo-noir, um, is very, like, um, hard-boiled detective story, too, and leaning on, like, a lot of Western cinema. Um, it just looked cool. It didn't sound like anything or look like any other anime series ever made. Um, this new one just feels like they're trying really hard to copy a lot of that. So it has some good actors. Like, I love John Cho, and John Cho is a surprisingly... He, he sort of like is wearing Spike Spiegel, you know, the main character. He's wearing Spike Spiegel's suit um, and skin a little bit. I don't know. Like he's trying to inhabit the vibe of Spike Spiegel. I don't think he quite gets there. Uh, but Daniela Pineda, who plays Faye Valentine, is really good in this. Um, I, you know, I like a lot of the cast. Uh, Mustafa Shakir plays Jet Black, who's Spike's partner. This show kind of both tries to really hard to copy a lot of what the original did, but also shift mm-hmm. the characters in new ways and do some new things, including like with Vicious, the the main villain of the series. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it. I think as a fan of the series, it is a disappointment. I don't know why it really exists. But if, uh, you know, if, if I wasn't as beholden to the anime and I was just looking at this as like a, Here's a fun sci-fi show on Netflix, I guess. Um, turn off your brain. Right. Turn off your brain. That seems like the Netflix uh, motto at this point. Recommendations, mm. yeah. Uh, if you do a little that, it is kind of enjoyable. I like the characters. You know, I like the world and the banter they all have with each other. It's just, it's not Cowboy Bebop. Maybe, maybe this thing just shouldn't exist. So I'd love to hear what listeners think. And I'll be working on 
probably a piece around this uh, for next week. I just got the screeners a little late. Um, but mm. reviews are out now, um, certainly mixed from what I've seen. I know people people who really like the anime just discount this entirely. And people who are just coming into this universe for the first time are like, hey, there, there's some fun stuff here. I think there are some fun things here. I just wish... Um, I don't know, maybe if it was better written and maybe if it had a bigger budget too because the look right. of this show is almost like a cheap Sin City type of, uh, type of look at certain points. Um, and I'm all, I'm all good with digital backgrounds, but maybe make your sets a little better. <laughs> make your like environments look a little better. Aww. I don't know. Work on the action more. Um, I wanted the show to succeed. I want nothing but the best for John Cho and pretty much his entire cast. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I don't think it quite gets And the Corgi. There. Corgi's good. Everybody <laughs> wants a Corgi. Corgi's very good. Um, you know, yes, one true. like um, one character too, like Ed from the original anime series, who's basically a fan favorite, is not in the show at all. And I think that's going to annoy a lot of people as well. So, hey, they tried. I, th- I think they mostly failed. <laughs> but I'd love to hear what other people think about this. Speaking of Netflix shows, by the way, mm-hmm. there was a thing you you recommended last week arcane right i i started watching yes. that i think arcane too by the way is uh, what has still got new episodes coming every yeah. week i think less, they right? they just dropped the second wave of episodes and i think the third will be coming i saw those next, yeah, yeah. It, it took a little while for me because like at the start the jinx character is like they're all in their like youth right they're teenagers, they're teenagers or kids yeah. in jinx's case yeah but then when they finally grow up like jinx has this like they really captured her harley quinn vibe mm-hmm. um, in this and it's really cool because i mean i was just talking to jess and you know from earlier in this episode on the podcast about this um because both of us play league a little bit she plays more than i do anyway uh-huh. Jinx, like, when you're playing as Jinx as a character, like, you already get the little, like, maniacal laughter sort of bits in in the gameplay. And, like, they they do a really good job of, like, introducing those little, like, moments where you can tell Jinx is about to, like, go into her mania. Like, the laughing, the very Harley Quinn craziness. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She, she does feel like, like Harley Quinn meets the Joker at certain points, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. With guns and, or, or bombs. And, yeah. and she... She, I mean, her character is great. You expect that. But, like, there's also the other characters in there that were lead characters, that lead champions that I didn't know. And I was, like, watching, uh-huh. right? Not expecting uh-huh. other ca- And then, no, they all pop up. I'm just like, oh, someone, like, <laughs> someone meant, like, says the word crank a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, as a character. And I was like, oh, my God, does he become Blitzcrank? Like, what's uh-huh. going on? You know what? Hey, so- th- that sounds like, <laughs> and I talked about why I liked Arcane so much. That is a good adaptation. Right. It gives yeah, you yeah. the things you love and maybe gives you a new window into those characters and right. that world. Um, right. It's perfectly enjoyable to me as somebody who doesn't even like League. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I really wish Cowboy Bebop did that. You know, you got to come at it at an angle. I don't know if you saw HBO's Watchmen Trillin, but Watchmen, which did almost an impossible thing of being a sequel to one of the most widely respected, you know, graphic novels ever made. How do you yeah. do that? That show was kind of impossible, too. I think that'll be my hook for however I write about Cowboy Bebop. Should have been yeah. more like Watchmen. Um, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. Arkin's really, really cool. My chiropractor also <laughs> enjoys it. I was just like, okay, a lot of people really like this show. This it's is good. interesting. All right. Cool, it's good. Yeah. Good animation, too. Like, I'd love to see, like, new animated shows that really go hard on animation quality. Because I feel like, uh, did you watch Invincible? On, uh, on Amazon? Yes, I watched parts of it for my interview with Robert. Right, um, right, right, right. Our best friend, Robert. Yeah. All right, our best friend, Robert. Uh, but that show, that was a fun show, good characters. Probably the worst animation I've ever seen in, like, a new series, you know? Whereas mm-hmm. Arcane just looks fantastic and fluid, and there's just so much going on. So, yeah, dig it. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and chatting about movies at the Filmcast podcast. Check out our new intro music there, by the way. We've got somebody from The Midnight who gave us a custom intro theme. It's really cool. If you want to send me gifs of Harry Shum Jr., I'm on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. 
we'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on industrial automation. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com slash empowering dash innovation. Yes, because I've been crop dusting this whole time, just so you know. <laughs>